many people have been talking about creating a new norm in this season. But when most of us are talking about that, and even myself, we're talking about maybe creating a new norm in our relationships. We're hoping that this season and this moment, maybe you're home a little bit more, that your relationship with your spouse can get stronger, or maybe with your kids, or maybe just with some friends. You're hoping to have some intentional relationships. Some of us, we're talking about this, we're thinking about our physical body, like how we eat, our diet, maybe working out a little bit. And others, I've heard talks about creating a new norm when it comes to self-care, reading and doing things, maybe listening to podcasts or things that, that kind of benefit um, our, our, our mind and, and our, our soul. But in this season, we've been talking specifically about creating a new norm in your spiritual walk. And last week, we talked about one of the keys to doing that is actually to know God better. And, and we unpackaged this idea that, that to know God is almost to take steps and it's a journey of faith. And that how we knew God in our past and even how we know God today is going to be different than how we know God in our future. And that this is a journey that we're on. And in fact, Vima, our name, Vima Church, Vima is a Greek word that means step. And so it's our desire to help you take your next steps in your faith journey. And we like to say it like this. Part of our mission here is that we exist to help people know God, to grow in freedom, to discover their purpose, and then to go make a difference. We believe those four things are the steps, they're the, they're the mark, they're the walk, they're the journey of what it looks like to be a follower or, or a disciple of Christ. And so last week we unpackaged that first step, which is to know God or to know Him better. This week we're going to be talking about growing in freedom. Next week, guess what? We're talking about discover purpose and then the final week to go make a difference. So these, the way we like to say this a little bit simpler for you maybe to remember is this, this. We exist to help people know, grow, discover, and go. Kind of rhymes, doesn't it? And so today we're going to be talking about growing in freedom. Before we dive into scripture, let me just pray a quick prayer for us. God, I thank you. God, that you're moving right now, no matter where we're at, no matter where we're watching this or listening to this, whether we're listening to a podcast or on Spotify or YouTube, or we're watching live with the church on Sunday morning or that evening, or, or maybe we're watching this months from now. God, that you can speak to us now. We ask that you would do that, that our hearts, our eyes would be open to you, and that we would grow in you and know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, the topic, grow in freedom. You know, I was thinking about freedom and thinking about you know, what it looks like and, and what, you know, in, in this season, freedom has, has been very different for us. And honestly, you know, most of us, when we think about freedom, we think about America, land of the free, home of the brave, right? I mean, America is a free country. We get to worship how we want. We get to eat what we want. We get to say what we want. We have the freedom of speech. We have so many incredible freedoms here in this country that I'm thankful for, and I hope you are too. But I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how maybe that, that view of freedom and that perspective of freedom isn't completely accurate when it comes to our spirit. And, and I remembered uh, years ago um, when I first, I never had heard of this before, maybe you have an invisible fence. And I had a friend that they were installing it at, their, at his parents' house, and I never heard of this. Like, I didn't know what an invisible fence was. What do you mean? A fence is, it's big wooden sticks that go around your yard that keep things in and other things out, Right. Well, there's an invisible fence, apparently, and it was, the idea was to create a boundary in your yard that you couldn't see 
Um, you didn't, couldn't hear it. You couldn't, it was just buried in the ground and it was a sensor that buried around. Then you put a collar like on a dog or I guess whatever other kind of pet you want to keep inside there. And when they would reach the boundary, like when the pet reaches the boundary, it gives them a little shock and tells them, hey, stay inside this invisible fence. Well, so I was helping him install this. And a friend of mine, he goes, he goes, I, I don't, man, I'm, I'm afraid if I do this, I'm going to hurt my dog. Like, I don't know how hard that it shocks him. And I don't like, I don't know. And so we had this great idea. Well, the only way to really know whether your dog is going to be safe, whether the animal that you love is going to be safe is to put it on and test it yourself. And really to make sure and to know how effective it is, we should probably crank it up all the way and try it that way first. And so we were a little bit younger and a little bit dumber. And luckily it was his idea and I just was watching and he put that thing on around his neck and walked towards the edge. And I've never seen someone hit the ground so hard in my entire life. And what was crazy is that from all visual perspectives, there was no boundaries. He was free to go wherever he wanted. Yet, that wasn't the truth, that wasn't the reality. And I wonder if, if our perspective of freedom can be that way sometimes. That we believe that, that because we live in the land of a free and we have so many incredible freedoms, that we must be free. And I think this is a deception of the enemy to, to trick us into believing because there's so many freedoms that we do have and that getting to do what we want must be mean that we're free. And in fact, I wanna talk about three lies that I think the enemy has, has deceived us into when it comes to our freedom. The first one is this, lie number one, the power of choice, the power of choice means I'm free. So this is idea that because I get to do what I want or say what I want, that must mean that we're free. It's just like the animal inside the, the invisible fence. It may appear as if he can go wherever he wants because he can do whatever he wants inside of these boundaries. But the reality is there are still boundaries and there's still penalties for the things that we do. And so it's this idea that because I think I can do what I want, that must mean I'm free. And I think that's a lie of the enemy. In fact, 1 John 1, 9 says this, talking about doing what we want and a penalty. It says this, that if we confess our sins, so this gives us an idea that not everything is permissible, that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. So if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So apparently we can't do whatever we want without penalty. And if, when we do whatever we want, there is a penalty, but this is how good God is. If we confess our sins to him, that he'll heal us. He'll set us free. He'll give us a new life. But then it, uh, there's a little more depth to this. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Growing in freedom. James 5, 16 says this, therefore confess your sins, not to God. Check this out. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So we have two different perspectives here. One is that when we confess our sins, the, the, are the wrongdoings that we may have in our life, the things that God's word says that are wrong, when we confess those things to God, it says that we're saved. But then it says when we confess our sins to one another, that we're healed. And so we get this perspective that, that maybe we do have sin in our life. Maybe there are some things that are binding us and we need to confess those things to God, but it doesn't end there. We actually need to confess those things to one another. And we find healing and freedom in that. Uh, so when we say grow in freedom, it's because we believe that the freedom that Christ offers 
and that he wants to see us experience is more than just doing what we want. It's having a life that's fulfilled. It's having a life that's blessed. It's having a life that's marked with promise and potential by God. It's having a life that makes a difference in not just our life, but in the lives of others. You see, freedom is not just about being free from the penalty of sin. That's that first verse. We confess our sins to God, we find freedom from the penalty of our sin, which is death. That's called salvation. Freedom is also about being free from the power of sin over our life. Not just from the penalty, that's the salvation. But when we confess our sins one to another, we start to see ourselves be set free from the power of sin in our life. And that's called sanctification. That's this idea that freedom is something that we actually grow in. Salvation is a moment, but sanctification, well, that's, it's a very Christian theological word, but basically means this, that we start becoming more right over time. That it takes a while, it takes a process, it takes steps for us to grow in freedom, this freedom that Christ wants us to have. So to be completely healed, living, whole, abundant, blessed, and to be like Christ, that's what he wants for us, to grow in that kind of freedom. But there's another lie I think that, that we sometimes get caught up in is, is this, is this, it's not my fault. You see, I think this is a pretty popular perspective is that we look around our lives, we look around our experiences and we recognize, we go, well, part of the reason I am the way that I am or that I do the things that I do or I say the things that I say is because of the things that I've been through, the things that other people have done or said to me. But you see, I think there's this idea that most of the bad decisions that I've made in my life, I've actually participated in those. Most of the things that I've done that aren't right were my brainchild. Most of the sins and the choices that I've made were things that happened in here that maybe then went out into an action, something I said or did or, or experienced. And so this idea, I think the second lie of the enemy is he wants to put the, the pressure or the problem on someone else as if it's their fault and I'm just stuck this way. I can't really change, it's not my fault, it's based off of someone else. And I'll tell you today, you have a choice. You have a choice to pursue and to grow in real freedom. And then the third lie, I think, is this, and this is kind of will take us into the next part of our conversation, is this, is I believe I can do this on my own. You see, it's kind of funny, the contrast is that I think some of us will say it's not my fault, but then on the flip side, we'll say, man, I know the freedom. I know that there's maybe some things I don't want to do or some things I don't want to say or some things that I, maybe I'm stuck doing a habit or uh, an addiction that I want to be free from. Or maybe it's a thought, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an emotion. Maybe you find yourself constantly angry or frustrated. Maybe you have a short fuse. So there's all kinds of different things that we can be set free or need to be set free or grow in freedom from. But I think it's ironic that the, one of our first defenses is it's not my fault. And then we go right from that into this category of I can do this on my own. So it's not my fault, but now I'm gonna do this on my own. I think that's a lie of the enemy. When we push back, on feedback, we're basically pushing back on the better version of ourselves. We're pushing back on the potential that God wants for our lives. Remember, when we confess our sins to God, we're saved. But when we confess our sins to each other, that's when we're sanctified. That's when we start finding freedom and healing. So this idea of growing in freedom, it's going to take more than just you and yourself by yourself. It's going to take you being part of a community, you being part of a family you being part of the family of God. 
And so I want to move into a little bit different discussion here, kind of to, to shift a little bit, but I want to show you something here. It's called the Johari window. I want to show you this. So let's take a second. I'm going to show you some cool stuff on the whiteboard. All right, so I want to show you, it's called the Johari relational window. And in our lives, there's basically four different segments or four different areas that most of us um, operate in. And so these are the different areas of our life that we live in, that we experience people in. And so if, if this idea of growing in freedom, if it takes other people, then I think it's important for us to understand how do we actually be real with other people? What does that look like? And, and how does that break down? And so two psychologists came up with this in the 50s, and I thought it was brilliant. I thought it'd be good for us today. So first, there's the first area of our life, which is called the arena. Okay, this is the area of uh, uh, where most people know us, you know about me, and I know about you. So we would say this is that I know and you know. So this is the area that I know and you know. So this is the area, it's kind of like if you think about a stage. If someone's on stage, you know some things about them and we know some things about you and there's kind of this joint understanding. Like for instance, you may know that I'm from Arkansas. You may know that I have a whole bunch of kids. Um, you may know that I love to eat food and grill meat on the grill. Just if you follow me on social media, you would know those four things. So this is the arena, okay? And then there's the area down here that's called the potential. This is the area that I don't know. I'm just going to write, I don't, and you don't know, and you don't, okay? And so this is the area that most of us and most of our lives operate in. This is the area of our life that is the potential. It's the area that I don't know and you don't know. There's things about me that, that, that maybe I didn't know before, like, for instance, the fact that I'm pastoring a church. I didn't know 10 years ago that I was going to be doing this today. It took some steps and it took some journey to get to that. And there's things about your life that maybe are going to happen in your future. They're part of your potential that you don't know and I don't know, but they're part of God's plan for your life. But for us to get from here to here, there's two other areas in our lives that we have to look at. And this one is called the blind spot. I'm just going to write blind for today. Blind spot. And so the blind spot is this. It's you know but I don't know. So this is the area that you can see about me, but I can't see it about myself. And in fact, there's, there may be areas like this that you've even seen about your pastor. Those of you who come to Vima, you're like, man, he may not know this about himself, and there's a good, a good potential. I don't. And so there may be areas, in fact, I, I remember years ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with, with my, uh, my pastor and my mentor and he started sharing some things with me. And, and so we talked about here some, some things that I know, some things that you know, which is I'm from Arkansas, that I like to, to cook and meat and stuff like that. Then there's the things that we don't know, things about our potential. So the blind areas, this area, I, we sat down with my pastor and we're talking about this. And he wanted to share some things with me. He was trying to help me grow. And this is one of the things he said to me that I didn't know, but other people did, is that I didn't recognize that I was a large human. You may say, well, that's ironic and weird. But I didn't realize that that actually affected me and how I led things and maybe even how I did things in meetings. So I'd be in a meeting with other people I worked with. And if I said something with authority, being a large man in the room that didn't smile a whole lot and could have somewhat of a dry sense of humor, that actually came across as mean or authoritative or sarcastic way more so than I thought. 
And by him sharing those things with me, all of a sudden I begin to gain a perspective of myself that I didn't have. So this, this happens, the way that we, we move in this area of our life is to ask. When we ask questions about ourselves, we start understanding areas in our life maybe that we didn't see but other people can see about us. And then there's the last area. So the arena, the blind, the potential, and then there's the mask. And this is the area that I know, but you don't. So this is the area of things that I have hidden in my life. This is the area of things that maybe I struggle with that you don't know. And these are the things that I keep secret to myself, the things that are masked, the things that are held to themselves. And and I think about just uh, about two years ago, I was sitting down with a a life coach, a mentor, kind of a counselor type person, and we're processing why I was hesitant to do something, why I was hesitant to step into this new season of life that was kind of coming our direction. And I processed this and kept struggling with this, and what I realized, and, and, and I knew, but I was kind of unwilling to say out, out loud, was that I was kind of insecure. I wasn't confident that the things that God was calling me to do, that I was capable of doing those things. And when I started sharing those things out loud, what I started to find out, and so this, this is the, the, so the top section, that was ask, and this one is all about telling. So this one's about asking, this one's about telling. When I started telling the, this friend, this mentor, this coach in my life, the things I was struggling with, all of a sudden I started finding a freedom in that, and I started finding an encouragement in that. So what happens is that I think most of us we try to spend the majority of our lives in the arena. We try to stay right here. We try to keep everyone in this general area of knowledge because this can be uncomfortable to start telling people areas in my life that maybe I struggle with. And this could be uncomfortable to ask people, is there something about myself that I don't know? But here's what happens when we start to do that. When I ask, let's say I ask, if I ask a question and I say, hey, there's some areas of my life that, that, that I maybe don't see that you might see. Would you help me to see those things? What happens is all of a sudden, now I'm growing in my potential in this area. And then if I start telling some people, if I find a group of people, a small group or a community, some people that I trust, and I say, hey, there's some things I'm struggling with. And what happens is we start confessing those things and being real with each other. We start confessing those things. And what happens is we start bringing our arena, we start bringing our life into potential. We start increasing our potential. We start stepping into our potential. The life that God has for us is inside of this box. But for us to get here, for us to move from here to here, it's going to take us to do two things. As one is to ask some questions. What is it that I don't see about myself? And for us to be willing to tell some people the real things that we're struggling with in our life. In fact, earlier I told you about three lies that the enemy has told us when it comes to growing in freedom, when it comes to finding freedom. But I wanna tell you three truths, three things that you can count on, three things that you can lean into to grow in freedom. And the first one is this, the more that someone is known, the greater their potential. And we saw that there with the Johari window, the more that someone is known, the greater their potential. The more that we experience real people, you know, we fight to keep people in the re arena, but the growth happens in our potential when we're willing to do those things. In fact, Ephesians 4 says this. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. It says, so that we may no longer be children. So we're growing up. We're getting this idea of maturing as believers. 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love. So get this idea that we have to talk to each other. We got to speak in love. We are to grow up. So when we speak to each other in love, when we have a real authentic relationship with each other, when we have that, that community that the Bible is talking about, what happens is we start to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Into verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that builds itself up in love. So right there, we get this idea that when we are together, we start to grow. We start to step into our potential. The second truth that we want to look at today is this. We grow spiritually when we're connected relationally. So we saw that word in there twice, that we grow when we're connected. We grow when we're connected. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you tried to transplant a plant from from one garden to the next. And if you don't ever get those roots to settle in, it gets very difficult. In fact, the more often you move a plant, the harder it is to keep it alive. And so for you to stay connected, for you to stay going, I would challenge you, it may take you staying connected to a body of Christ. It may take you staying committed to a local church, showing up every week, leaning in, grabbing your Bible, taking notes, joining in community, high, well, not high-fiving right now, but in the future, high-fiving and shaking hands and being in a small group. In fact, that is the way that God wants to see us grow in freedom. Galatians tells us this, Galatians 5.1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we get this picture that freedom does come from Christ and that but it, it's more than just that idea that Christ came to earth so we can have freedom, so we can have healing and wholeness and all the things that God wants for you and for me. But catch this, the beginning of this verse, it says, it is for freedom. So basically, in, in essence, what this is saying, and this is our third truth, is that freedom came with a purpose. So freedom, it came at a price. Jesus paid that price for our sin, for our iniquity, for our transgressions, for our failures, for our mistakes. And we're so thankful for the work of Christ that happened on the cross for us. But it also, freedom came with a purpose. It is for freedom. In essence, the reason that we have freedom is so that we can help others have freedom. So freedom isn't just this thing that you get from church. is isn't this just moment maybe that you have at the altar or in prayer or in God's word. Freedom, the very essence of freedom is so that we receive it and then that we give it. Is that we receive it and then we share it. That we receive it and we help others participate and find it and grow in it together. And so freedom and, and this idea of being a follower of Christ and knowing Christ, it's not just for me and you, even though God did it for me and you. It's also for others. And so you may be thinking, you know, I don't want to be in a small group or a community or in any type of relationship like that. It's just awkward for me to share my story. And it's awkward for me to be connected in those ways. I'll tell you this. You may think that, but other people need to hear your story. And in fact, we know this, that, that God wants to work through us. And some of the things that God wants to work and do through us may even be the things that have caused us pain. That the story that you may have, the struggles, the frustrations, the pain, the hardship that you've gone through, there may be someone out there needing to hear that story so they can recognize that they too 
could have the freedom that you found. You see, being connected relationally, it's, it's more than just about being in a club or, or being belonging to something or to someone or just having those feel good of, of just knowing that you're known. And it, it really is something spiritual that God has put inside of us, this idea and this need to be in life and be in relationship with other people. It comes from the very design of God. God designed you that way. In fact, in Genesis, it says it's not good that man should be alone. From the very beginning of time, God recognized and he formed us with this need to be in relationship with each other. So my challenge for you is this, is to have some intentional spiritual relationships that help you step into a new norm. Let me pray for you today. God, we thank you that you love us, you care for us. God, we thank you that you're working in us. God, today, I pray that you would help my friends. God, find a friend, find a group, find a community here at Vima that they can belong to, that they can be real with, that they can ask honest questions about themselves and get feedback. They can tell from the sincerity of the heart what they're going through and know that there's people that will hear that vulnerability and love them even still and help us step into our potential. God, help us to be a church full of people like that, that are looking to help other people grow in freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.